I swear it's not a bad movie. It's now when we ended the last one, you made it sound like I think it's a bad movie because of when you clicked it. I said you polish a turd is still a turd. This movie's not a turd. Don't get me wrong. It's not great, but it's it's not bad, and that's the key thing that it you made me sound you you wife made me sound like an asshole, and I don't want to be an asshole. I think the movie has a lot of really great points. But most of it is just not as great as it could have been. So there. Hi, I'm America, and I'm the one that made James look like an asshole. Apparently. Yeah, damn it. And we're reviewing Ocean's Eight still. Um, still. It's a fucking. I'm not gonna say it's a fucking good movie, but it's a lot better than I think a lot of people think it is. We talked about it a little bit in between these two episodes too, and I think the. Uh, I think the definition I gave during that conversation is pretty accurate where it's a campy oceans movie it's lighthearted. it's funny it's a heist movie but like james said in the last episode there's not a lot of tension but like there's no stakes sometimes that's okay like i i don't know it was just a really light refreshing movie to watch i wasn't stressed out i wasn't super worried like as someone with anxiety, it was just nice to get lost in a story for a little bit and laugh a few times and really enjoy the people that were in it. I don't see many things like that nowadays. So many things are trying to push the envelope that it's nice to just have, like, a refreshing drink of water every now and then. You know what? It, honestly, it is such a talent-driven movie that if you do get lost in the performances, you do kind of forget that the story is so ridiculously unbelievable that you, you you might find that you like it. I think a lot of and that's I think that's a difference too in our backgrounds and that's why we started this podcast in the first place is cuz you come for the from the film perspective and I come from the actor perspective and this might be a case of me being so in love with the talent and the actors in this movie and just really vibing with that whole thing that I'm yeah, I don't it's a heist movie. They do. They steal the thing. The end. Like I'm not really concerned about the intricate details of said heist movie. I just really enjoyed watching some of my favorite people do cool shit. I will say they do some cool shit. Um, so we left off plot wise with Mindy Kaling's Atima, Afima, Atima, Amita, 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 and Helena Bottom Carter's Rose. Uh, at Cartier trying to convince the jeweler Cartier, you may have heard of them, they're a very famous jewelry house, uh, to let them borrow the famous necklace, the Toussaint. That's what it's called. It's the Toussaint, yes. Letting them borrow the Toussaint to uh, dress Hathaway. Yeah, Daphne in it for the Met Gala. Uh, which is, now, this is a, in case you're a dude and you don't know fuck all about fuck all, this is a thing that happens at the Met Gala every year. And it's the highest ticket to get. It is the most important ticket to attend to ever. This is, this is the Super Bowl of fashion, okay? This is a fucking, making that connection this is a fucking really big deal. In the fashion and acting world, and it matters a lot what designer puts you in their clothes and what jeweler lets you wear their jewelry. So because this is a, everybody's going to ask, and if your name's on one of those labels... You make a shitload of money. So, and I believe part of the deal gets wrapped up in, in real life. You get some stuff from this designer for free by repping their name. Yeah. It's it's the classic influencer thing where you rep the company, the company gives you shit for free. Or you are a Kim Kardashian and you ruin a one of a kind dress. Yeah, Kim Kardashian's not really the best example of high society. Anyways, uh so our two of our top tier talent actresses are over here trying to convince the jeweler to let them take this necklace. Now this necklace plot wise has been in a vault for 50 years. It's impossible quote unquote in the year of our Lord, 2018 impossible for them to ensure this thing when we know that Donald Trump exists. Okay. So I don't want to hear fuck all from whatever jewelry house about how it's impossible to ensure this necklace. Give me a fucking break. 
and not to mention, it's six pounds of diamonds, okay? This necklace weighs six pounds. And you're telling me the max they can insure it for is $150 million? In the year of our Lord, 2018, that makes no money sense to me. You can't, you can't, no shot, it's only $150 million. This is a world where there are trillionaires that make memes on Twitter, okay? You, you can absolutely insure that motherfucker for $300 million, and that would be way more believable to me than $150 million. $150 million is what they took three casinos for on a fight night in 2001, okay? That was super believable for 2001. You mean to tell me six pounds of diamonds cost the same as a fight night in Vegas in 2001 when there wasn't a streaming service? Outrageous. That necklace should be worth way more. Diamonds are a joke. They're a worthless rock. They should have insured it for $300 million. All I have to say about this scene, because um, they eventually, like, they're, when they're talking to the guy and, like, the whole scene, I know James has some more notes, so I'll let him take it, but all I want to contribute for this scene is I never would have ever thought that I would see Mindy Kaling calling however you say your last name cardia no mindy kaling yeah that's her last name acting side by side with helena bonham carter and it just being a goddamn gem of a scene <laughs> and i'm so happy it happened it was really good i would watch them act together for a very long time because it was the chemistry the the bouncing off each other, the timing between the two. I mean, they're two, like I said, very phenomenal actresses in their own right. They both have very wide backgrounds and diversity. And it was hilarious. And it was so well put on. And it was just fantastic. Everything they did together was amazing. So much so that I want to go watch that scene again. Like, it was just really, really, really well done. Across the board, so Hindi and Helen, like Hindi and that's their that's their couple name, Mindy and Helena were so good together that it it was just it was a tr they were truly great they were fantastic and that scene like I wish they ha that's the only really see big scene with them together in this whole movie and I wish we would have had more of it because it was really good. All right, James can talk about the rest of it because we. Okay. Convince them so, to show us the necklace. They get to see the necklace. They've got a fancy doodad. Now, this fancy doodad is a pair of glasses that will scan uh, the necklace. We yada yada the fuck out of these glasses, okay? They do a bunch of stuff, and multiple heist members use it during the course of the movie, uh, and it is never explained how it works, but it is cool, and the theory that it could exist is cool. So, she has to see the necklace from every angle to get what is effectively a print for a 3D printer because they're going to replicate the necklace. With zirconium. Uh, with zirconium, which is obviously not diamonds, uh, but arguably worth more. They also look very similar to diamonds unless you're like an Looking expert. Looking at it, yeah, with a, the jeweler the gear. The internal structure is very different, but if you just look on it from the outside, zirconium and diamonds... Pretty much the same thing. Also, the there is an, they run into a tiny snag where in this scene they have to go down underneath Cartier. Because it's in a vault. Because it's in a vault that is underground. And the glasses transfer things via Wi-Fi probably or some sort Bluetooth, of... Bluetooth. Bluetooth, some sort of cell signal. And no one had the foresight on this team of highly intelligent people to think, oh, well, it's going to be underground, so what if it just stores the data and then you just bring a chip back that has the readout on it? No, they had to falsify tension by being like, oh, it's underground, we need to get them to bring it up into the light. Anyways, Which ir leads, irrelevant plot point. Leads but, to a very hilarious moment with Mindy Kaling go, 
You prompting. said you need. Yes, she's you, prompting. You said you needed to see it in the light. This and like, Rose looks at Rose looks at her like what? <laughs> the the best part of this acting is that Rose is not a criminal. She's just a bad she's a designer. <laughs> mediocre at best fashion designer who is out of date. Like it's so funny that they would in Ocean's 11 everyone is a criminal. All of them do crimes. In Ocean's 8, like maybe 3 people do crimes. Mm, That's not true. Hacker, like 5 people do crimes. Pocket Sarah Paulson, Debbie, Lou. Five people do crimes. Yeah. Right? The other three and are... the others are, like, maybe just not great people. So it, it brings a new dynamic to the team of, like, oh, this is your first enterprise of being a criminal. Wild. Wild. And Rose is not great at the grifting game. She's not good. Game. She's, she's bad. She's, she's not good she's at being a grifter. And so, like, the whole prompting of Mindy Kaling, like, trying to force Rose into, like, these situations and being like, said you needed to see it in the light. The light? And Rose is like... And Mindy's like, the light? And Rose is like, oh, yeah! The light! We I did need to see it in the light. It's non-negotiable, actually. I need to go upstairs and look at it in the, the light. And the guy's like... Cartier is like... Fucking the guy was like, "This is light," and she's like, "No natural light." Like, I by process the sun. Like, I'll say this: while she may not be good at grifting, she's great at improvising. She she catches on to what the bit is and sells it hard. Um. Anyways, we move on. They get to take the necklace. Uh, they get it delivered. Another hilarious moment. I think the first is is it's the first time where I say Anne Hathaway is Anne Hathawaying as hard as she can. Not yet, because I just, Bef- I want to... before the dating app. Well, yeah, I want to talk... Well, I don't care about that scene. That scene was literally worthless for all the reasons. Um, but no, I just want to talk about one more thing that okay, happens between uh, um, Mindy and Helen in this scene, where, like, the thing about the glasses, they do have to take a scan from every angle, and it takes a long time. So, like, there's just a lot of Rose staring at this necklace, and the Cartier guy, like, stressing out, like, because this necklace is really expensive, and just, like exposed basically and like he's like ma'am ma'am and Mindy's like shh it's her process and like <laughs> just like as she's doing this whole 3D scan with these glasses I don't know like I said the whole scene with them was just really great and deserves a lot of credit and it is so nonsensical but so funny then we go to um they get the permission to use the necklace they are making it happen. So then we cut to Rose fitting um, Daphne for her dress. And Daphne starts having a freaking panic attack. Um, because, I mean, she's an actress. She's using a risky designer. It's the Met Gala. Like, the pressure that goes into all these things, you have to... You have to wear the right people. You have to look your best. Otherwise, people will tear you apart on the internet for literally, like, ever. So, she does the actress's thing where she's like, I look fat. I can't do this. And I just wrote, freaking actresses, man. Because that is something that I've literally done. Not even for, like, high society things. Like, to go out to dinner with our friends. And I will have the same panic attack in of like but I also was an actress and I've also been in a costuming room where I've been putting things and literally like I can't wear this on I can't wear like I'm gonna look like this like not and like costumers bless them bless you because we are difficult people and I'll acknowledge that we are difficult people I think that my note on that scene was just that Anne Hathaway is Anne Hathawaying as hard as she can in that scene she's just acting her fucking ass off it was great it was incredible it was fantastic and then like rose does this really great thing of like no your neck like your neck will be the perfect thing to hold this necklace your neck is the only neck that can hold this necklace like all this thing and we find out later this was the first thing that tipped daphne off about the weirdness of this whole thing is the insistence about all of this so um we then get this very unnecessary scene that has no like relevance into anything whatsoever 
um, where Aquafina, who we didn't even haven't even really talked about getting hired or anything, she's hired because she's a really skilled, a f- fabulous pickpocket. She's the Matt Damon replacement, except for without the plot relevance. Yeah, she's a pickpocket. She's great. Um, I love Aquafina. She's hilarious. Uh, but she's teaching Mindy Kaling's character how to use Tinder, and I was like. Why? Why was this? I mean, I know it's because like there was a big emphasis on the fact that Mindy Kaling doesn't have a husband, like by her mom in the previous scene she was in. But I was like, why was this Tinder teaching necessary? It's like the only bad scene I have watched thus far in this movie, because it literally served no purpose it, it at was... all, and was so random. It felt like a sketch comedy bit. That they just forgot to cut out of the movie. Yeah, it just felt weird. Like, it felt like it was just weird. I don't know. It, it really threw me off. Like, it broke my whole focus. Um, my next note is we have... And I don't know where you're at in yours. Um, but my next note is I we're watching Nine Ball do some investigating on the person who is hired to be the new head of security team. Oh, I made a note that because they have to break her in to plant a bug. Oh yeah, I don't think place, I have any notes about that. So go for it. They, so they the a combination of the team of Aquafina and Nineball or Aquafina and Rihanna have to break into the company that does the security for the Met and uh plant a bug in their conference room which is extraordinarily convenient for them uh and in doing so they steal a badge off of someone who's leaving work and then hand it off to rihanna mere seconds later in front of the building which is outrageous and it also proves, and they prove it again later in the movie when they're all doing sleight of hand shit, you never really needed an expert at sleight of hand. You could have found another con who was good at a different thing because Aquafina's job, everyone else is also proficient at. Doesn't matter. They break in, uh, and then they use social media stalking to be a highly effective information gathering method. Yeah. Which I think it's hilarious. They have nine ball in the middle of like a cafe, probably a Starbucks. Um just like stalking this guy that's the head of the new security team for the Met because they have to redesign all their shit because Banksy quote unquote Banksy broke in and put up a piece of art. It was not Banksy, it was Debbie. I know. But I was just that's what they referred to it as. Um I'm sure Banksy was like, Yeah, I'll take credit for that. Oh probably. He probably did not give a shit. Um, but that's what always bothers me about these types of movies, um, any heist movies really, is how public some of these setup pieces are. Like, we're just in the middle of a Starbucks, like, looking up information on this dude. Or when they just talk out loud. Yeah, or we're walking in the street. We're at a subway. Yeah. Which is how they, like, recruited Aquafina was in a subway. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like. What do you mean? What do you how mean does, you just did this? How does nobody get caught, like, doing any of this shit? Or, like, some subway person didn't overhear them and tweet about it on Twitter or make a TikTok about it later? Like, right. I mean, it was 2018, so there wasn't those. There was Twitter, but there wasn't TikTok. But, like, I'm like, how do you not, like, how does nobody pick up on this so far? I, I don't know. But then I also think about... Things like uh, National Treasure, where they literally had to, like, convince people that the Declaration of Independence was going to get stolen. And, like, nobody believed them. And I'm like, that's how. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, Uh. so, but yeah, it always bothers me. Because I'm like, we're just out in the open, like, doing very illegal shit. But it's fine. So, she, Nineball, makes this fraudulent um, site about dogs because she discovers from researching this dude on social media um 
that he is in love with dogs and like super obsessed with his dogs. So she makes a fraudulent site um, that if you click on a link, it takes you to in an email. So she makes an email, has a link. But as we all know, children of this era, do we click on email links from people we don't know? No. No, because what's in those email links from people you don't know? Uh, viruses. Thank you, James. Viruses. So they um, click. They he clicks on the link, takes him to the cute puppy site, and he Paul fucking loves his dogs. He is obsessed. Obsessed with his dogs. So he's just scrolling through the site, and he's so happy, and he's ooing and aahing. But that is all that Nineball needed to get into that man's computer. And like I said, it's not very hard. This is why we don't click on links from people we don't know. It's how people get their identities stolen literally every single day. Um, so yeah. Uh, we have now have access to the entire schematic plans for the new security setup for the Met. And this is, they use this to create a blind spot outside of the bathroom of the Met Gala because they already have a plan for how they're going to steal the necklace, replace it with a fake, but they have not told anyone, or specifically the audience, how that's all going to go down just yet. But, once again, we have to play the hits, and we have to throw back to ten years ago, before Debbie got busted and sent to jail. And it turns out, she fucking sucks at crime. Now, we have to compare, because that's what they make us do in this movie. Debbie Ocean to Danny Ocean. Danny Ocean went to prison for X amount of years for stealing and trying to sell, through a fence, Tammy, Incan matrimonial head masks, likely stolen from a museum of some sort or off a shipping container or something, right? That's what he got busted for. Debbie got busted for fraud, but before she was doing fraud with her fucking weird art boyfriend, she was doing bingo scams with Lou for like a grand and that's it so let's follow the timeline of facts that we know she got she was doing bingo scams met boy started doing fraud made a little bit better money doing fraud and fell in love and had good sex or whatever He sets her up to fail so that he gets away, stops doing his fraud thing to do legit art stuff. She takes the hit, goes to jail, spends five years thinking about doing a diamond heist, gets out of jail, and is a master criminal. It's unclear how the fuck she is a master criminal. In Ocean's Eleven, they detail to you how many times Danny Ocean has been implicated in crimes but never charged. How this is the first time he's ever been charged with a crime, even though it's, like, known that he's, like, an international thief. Like, he's the big bad motherfucker. Already. And now she is treated like the big bad motherfucker but has done virtually nothing short of fraud. Yes. May I propose a theory? Please do. Because this is the only reason I could think of why this is important. Because it's clear that Danny was warning her not to do this heist, because he sent Reuben. Right. Could it be possible... That he visited her in jail and taught her how to do it? Yeah, that they were talking about this, because he clearly knew that she was going to do it. And he even said, mm. and even Ruben said, like, I know it's the perfect heist, but, like, sometimes knowing that the crime would work should be... Is enough. Is enough. Like, don't, Danny said, don't do it. 
So is okay. it is it okay. possible that he, Danny helped her work this out? I like that because it explains how she can come out from prison with such confidence. However, all I ask is that you tell me that. Tell me that. Make that part of the plot. All you need is I a think minute they were, of screen time. I think they were trying to allude to it. I think they just alluded they to it. They didn't allude hard enough. Yeah, I don't think they did. They, they were too aloof with their alluding. Yeah, like, that's p- part of where the movie loses you is... A whole, it's trying so hard to live up to how well-received the fucking first three were that it trips itself up in not doing due diligence on some stuff, you know? Like, we see none of the setup of half of the cons. But in Ocean's Eleven, you see all of the setup of all of the cons. And both movies are about the same runtime. Ocean's Eleven gets four more minutes of runtime. So... uh, I don't know. It would have been so cool. All this to get back to the plot of never trust fucking anyone. Right. Because we get caught by the... The boyfriend sets us up to take the fall for the fraud. Um, Debbie goes to prison. And then we cut back to Nineball, who has fully infiltrated and schematicked up and moved the camera to extend the blind spot just enough that it's not noticeable, but enough to give them the window that they need. To steal the necklace. To steal the necklace. And Nineball goes, that was easy. Like, that was child's play. And I was like... Everything's so fucking easy. I also, this is not just a note about this movie. I also would like to know what's hard for hackers. Because every time I see hackers in a movie, they're just like, clickety, click, click, that was easy. And I'm like, can I can I see something that's hard for, like, a hacker in this day and age so you don't have to hardline or do anything to, like, do this shit? Because, like, what's what's your level of hard? Like, where does it get hard? If you want to see... If you want to see, chat really fucking got me right now. Um, if you want to see hacking that's hard, in Ocean's 13, the gang literally hands themselves to the FBI under the premise that their hacker can hack the FBI, or at least their mobile unit, that they know is going to be there, and do enough Photoshop on their pictures that the fbi is going to get to make it so that they don't look like themselves and change their names but their hacker guy gets nicked before this can go down so that is an implication of hacking being hard is they have to get someone who is not as well versed in doing it to do the thing and so they literally have to cut over to fucking what's his name God damn it. I'll figure out his name in a minute. But it's one of the Mormon twins that Scott Kahn is half of. They're, they have a little brotherly competition to do the hack. And they are running against a very real clock of the owner of the casino seeing the files that got sent over. And the files being manipulated. And so that is hard in that moment, in that movie, in 2005. Okay. But this is literally like, meh, I did it. Um, we then, any more notes about the scene with Nineball? No, I, my next note is about the, when Lou confronts, uh, Debbie about the boyfriend. Um. Okay, I don't have any notes about that scene. My next note is about when Anne Hathaway's talking to the press. Okay. So... I have a note about that as well. Basically, before we do that, we we, we finish our flashback and Nine Balls deal, and then we... Lou, Kate Blanchett's character, finds out that the setup is going to be having Anne Hathaway's date be Claude Becker, 
who is the Dick, Casey Affleck. That's what it was. My man got me. Um, the ex-boyfriend who sent Debbie to jail. Uh, that's who they're going to basically frame for the theft of this uh, necklace. Um, so the we play the hits again because in Ocean's Eleven... Rusty confronts Danny about doing this job to fuck over the guy who stole Danny's wife. And it's it the scene plays almost exactly the same. The number two guy comes out and he's like, fuck you, fuck this. Why are we doing this? Is this the only reason we're doing this? I'm out. And it literally, like, it parallels just so perfectly. And it ends exactly the same way with them going, fine, we'll keep doing it. And so there's no tension. Um, but anyways, that was just a nice little bit for the fans. Then we get a TV spot for Daphne the Met Gala and, and Daphne. Yeah. Um, my only note about this, cause Daphne takes us through and she's like, this is the theme for the Met Gala. Here's the like display. Um, and they've been trying to ask her cause this is the thing you get asked if you don't know about the Met Gala is who are you wearing? And so the first interview that Daphne did, she didn't know. And now she's like, I'm marrying, I'm wearing this person. They're like, oh, really? Like, because, again, like, Rose is not well known. And she's like, I thought it was a bit of an interesting choice. And then they're like, we heard a rumor about the jewelry you're wearing. And she's like, well, now I can officially say, because it's been confirmed, that, yes, I'm wearing the Toussaint, Toussaint and all this stuff and... They're like, I've heard it's worth a hundred million. She's like, a hundred fifty million, actually. And all I had to say about that whole thing is Daphne's very good with the press. Like that was she's a I professional her, actress. If I was her PR coach, like I'd just be like, <laughs> like, fantastic. She hit all the right beats. She was doing great. It was just a really well acted scene. Again, my, my, from my problem with that scene was that they filmed that spot with a handheld camera and no microphone. Yeah. Like they, and it the way they shot it. If you watch what the camera is supposed to be seeing, it's like a smooth track on a dolly where there's clearly a microphone above to catch the sound the way it's supposed to be, as you would film it in real life. And then when you cut to the opposite angle to see the interviewer and the guy with the camera, he's like holding it at his midsection. And he's wearing headphones, but there's no microphone. No one's holding a boom. There's no lights. There's no lav mic on her. There's nothing. And I was like, I made too many movies for me to not go. That's stupid. That you were on a set. You had the shit there. That's dumb. What you did is dumb. Um, We then cut, I believe, to... The heist. No. Anne Hathaway trying on the necklace. Right. But that's literally the oh, start of the heist. The start of the heist, yeah. They get to the heist in the middle of the movie. It's wild. So They we, rush the shit so fast. We get to the uh they they we see the them bring the necklace out of the vault in a locked box, put it in a guarded truck with two literal basically assassins as the security team for this necklace. There's two guys who will never be outside of the necklace. And we go um, to have them try it on because, like, the designer needs to see it on Daphne and, like, the dress and everything. So they're doing, like, a test run of, like, makeup, everything. Um, and hath, uh, Daphne puts on this pink um, lipstick and she makes a note to Rose of, like, how do I look? And Rose is like, Barbie. But, like, in a good way. And I was like... Literally no woman will ever be upset by being compared to Barbie. It is the first, like, societal norm that's programmed into our young female brains of what beauty is, is Barbie. So if you ever want to get huge girl points, compare, like, if you ever want to get a girl point, like, get a girl on a date or whatever, compare, be like, you know, you really look like Barbie. No woman's going to be mad at you. I would never be so bold as to use that line. Anyways. Pro, pro tip. Anyways. Um, I had a lot of stress during this scene of them, like, of, like, Rose carrying the necklace and putting it on Anne Hathaway. Not because of the heist. 
not because of anything else, but in my head, this like pre-programmed thing that they've set up in the movie about this very expensive, very delicate necklace being put on an actress, like just gave me anxiety. I know it's not real. I know it's not a real necklace, but I was just sitting there like so stressed out because last year, actually, a very real thing happened at the Met Gala where we had this one-of-a-kind priceless item brought out of a vault and put on somebody. It was Kim Kardashian. I mentioned it earlier. It was Marilyn Monroe's happy birthday president dress that was specifically tailored, like Marilyn had to be sewn into it, specifically tailored for her body with such delicate fabric that, like, it should never have been worn again. And somehow Kim Kardashian, like, through some nonsense, like what happened in this movie, got permission to wear it, and the dress is ruined. Like, it just spread the stitching, like, all this stuff. So that was, like, a very real thing that happened this year. And so to see it in this movie, like, the same type of, like, high-stakes thing, I was just like, I was like, oh, God, don't drop it. Oh, God. Especially because Rose is such a scatterbrained character. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, so, like, there was just all this, like, really heightened tension for me in this scene that literally had nothing to do with the heist or the fact they were going to steal this necklace. And more me just freaking out about the fact that this necklace was in danger. (laughs) I couldn't focus on any of that shit because the entire time they were putting the necklace on Anne Hathaway, Anne Hathaway was having sex with my ears. Would you like to elaborate on any of that? Dude, she, like, they just went so overboard on her reaction to the necklace and the way it looked and then the way it looked on her. And it's just gasp after moan after gasp after gasp after moan. And you're just there like, Daphne, what, what are you doing to my ears? Oh, Daphne's character, like, as the actress... So fucking funny. ...had an orgasm trying that necklace on. Honestly. But, you know, if so, if I touch that much money, I might, too. Oh, like, if shit. you put a $150 million necklace on and we're like, you get to wear this and be a princess for a night, I'd be like, yeah, that'd probably be the... It was so, like... we. I looked at you and I went, is she fucking my ears right now? And you were like, yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's so fucking funny. And then the biggest hitch that they face in this whole entire heist happens in this scene. That's why the scene is important. Is Rose goes to take the necklace off. And can't. And can't because it has a special locking mechanism that can only be undone with a magnet. A specific type of magnet. And all I have to say about this whole thing, we're so calculated. We get this 3D printed scan of this fucking necklace. Everything is perfect. How in all of this planning, Debbie, in all of this perfect five years in prison scheming with Danny, possibly, did you all miss the magnetic lock? Well, now, counterpoint, in Ocean's Eleven, they did go in with the trigger for their small explosive device having dead batteries. So it would be a hallmark of an ocean heist to get almost all the way into it and then realize something's fucked up. But they didn't get all the way into it before they found this out, and so they had enough time to get some photos of it sneakily, get those off to the main group of gals, and have Nine Ball sit there for two seconds, look at it, and go, I'm going to make a phone call. Calls her younger sister, who was mentioned earlier as an aside. Her younger sister, apparently a genius, invents a magnet and builds it on the subway with a soldering iron and metal and coils and magnets on the subway. On the phone. Talking out loud about this. Talking out loud in public again, but on the New York City subway, I think that's totally fine. Uh, And then gets to where they are in their little super secret security van, just walks up to them and goes, here's the fucking answer to all your problems. See ya. And then fucks off. It's 
incredible. It's so convenient. No one had to do anything that was hard. The little sister, she's like 15, doesn't have a problem. It's not like, fuck, I got to figure out the ratios or I have to do anything that could be possibly dialogue gobbledygook to make it sound difficult. She's like, oh, fuck yeah, that's a breeze. Why isn't anything fucking hard? Why is it all so simple? How did they make a whole entire Ocean's Heist movie with no stakes? Nothing's hard. Nothing's dangerous. Nothing's scary. It's all so simple. Sure, maybe you planned it out for five fucking years, but you didn't know about the magnet? That should have been the hard thing. You were presented when you wrote the fucking plot with a hard thing, and you were like, ah, make it easy. Make it simple. Why have it be hard? Why have a character learn a new skill? Why have anything be difficult or complicated in any sort of way? Because that would be too much fun. You're done. No, I hate it. Anyways. We get to... It's heist time. It's we heist met time. Met Gala's tonight. We got 20 minutes to do We're this fucking heist. We're all earpieced up. We're, it's, I only have like 10 notes about I've it. I've got so. like 30. Um, we're earpieced up. We are ready to go. Debbie gets ready in the bathroom to like go in there. She's doing her makeup and everything. And talking out loud. And talking out loud into the mics. Um, my only note about this, I know James has more upset notes about it. I um, don't. I just wrote Lamal the bathroom. Um, is I've never seen anyone put on makeup the way Debbie just put on makeup in that mirror. I've never seen anyone put on lipstick like that. I've never seen anyone put on mascara like that. And that was just like... Maybe Sandra Bullock does it different than you. I don't know. It was just a really jarring... It's one of my... I'm going to get lost in the forest looking at twigs moments. But it was just like... It took me out of the entire movie because I was like the fuck are you doing? Like, no one puts makeup on like that. Like, what the... Yeah. What? It, like, it looked like someone who had never done their... And maybe Sandra Bullock has never done her own makeup. But it looked like someone who has never done their own makeup trying to pretend... Like, trying to act like they know how to do makeup. And I was just like... <laughs> like, I was just staring at her like, I... What? Well, I mean, to be fair, she just spent five years in prison where she definitely did not do makeup for five years. So maybe she's rusty. But she definitely did before that, so bullshit. Touche. Um, why did you put Lamau in the bathroom? Uh, because she's in the middle of this, like, big speech about the heist, and then someone flushes and comes out of the stall and just sort of, like, looks at her for a second. And I was like, what are you fucking doing in a public bathroom talking out loud to your people? That's outrageous. Anyways, we move on. We um now see De uh, Daphne. Fully dressed in her outfit, Helena, uh, Rose is there, like, sprucing her up, and Helena Bonham Carter is acting the shit out of the scene, and Rose might be my favorite character in this movie because of Helena, like, I mean, I told you, I'm a simp for Helena, but, like, she's just so perfect, like, she's so scatterbrained, but she's also, like, doing the designer shit and, like, fixing and adjusting, it was just so well played, like, the interviews, the pictures, her walking with Daphne was so played perfect as someone who would be a designer in that position, but also played as, like, the scatterbrain designer. Like, it was just, it was, it was just really well done. That's all I gotta say about that. Do I have permission to just go to the zone and just run through the heist? Um. And if I do, can you fact check me? I mean, yeah, I'll fact check you, but I have notes that I would like to talk about. Um, my next note's about the red carpet, so... Do you have Go for it. Okay. Um, we get to the red carpet. Daphne's out there. Uh, Rose is out there. There's a million celebrities. And I think the one of the good solid points that this movie did is they didn't just hire a bunch of like people to pretend to be they famous They didn't get people. extras. They there's not extras in the back there. No, there's actual famous people doing actual red carpet interviews at a fake Met Gala. And it's just... Like, mwah, ooh, filmmaking, like, I, it was just really good. Like, I wrote Go Movie Go because actual stars on the red carpet is a nice touch. It, like, made it feel more like it was actually the real Met Gala. Like, like three of the Kardashians were there. Um, you had Heidi Klum. Zarina. 
Serena Williams. Yeah, Serena. I don't know why I said Serena. Serena uh, Williams was there. All these fucking people. Like, it Common was, was there. There was just, like, little people in the background. That are, like, A-list celebrities as background bait for this movie. It was fucking good. Like, it, the, there's a lot to be said for making something appear to be real. But when you can get the people who would actually be at the event to do your movie, that's even better. Like, what better way to do a fake Met Gala than to get Heidi Klum and a host of models to just be there? That's what the Met Gala is. It's A-list celebrities and models. So if you get a hundred of them to be flashy pieces on your movie set, you really can just grab the audience and drag them into the Met Gala with you. And that's a really cool thing that they did. It's also only possible if you have a bajillion dollars. Um, I Before James jumps into uh, his spiel about the heist, because he's going to have a lot more to say about it than I did, because I was just like, <laughs> heisty shit. People are stealing shit. Look at this. Look at that. Um, and I don't have my next note is, and you'll know what it is about the bus boy. So you can oh, wow. crush. There's a, there's a while. Okay. You can crush through that. But my last thing I'm going to say before James just takes it until the bus boy is I love heist movies, but they really stress me out. Oh, that's kind of the point. Like, I'm just like, ah, 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 the whole time. So, yeah, go on, James. Talk about the heist. Okay. So everyone's on earpieces, just like your Oceans movie ought to be, right? It's great. Uh, there's a lot more horse whispering into the earpieces, though. And also, we don't get a precursor that sort of sets up where everyone is going to be. Uh, there's not, like, you kind of get rehearsals in the other Oceans movies, but there's not really, like, you don't know ahead of time who's going to be where for this heist, right? So we've already established Tammy's character, uh, Sarah Paulson, as sort of an event coordinator there, uh... They got Aquafina in doing uh, waitstaff shit. They got uh, Mindy Kaling in doing kitchen shit. They got... Lou is the caterer. Uh, yeah, Lou is the caterer. Um, fucking Debbie put on a wig and went as some sort of... German... German... Famous person. Famous person. Yeah, it was basically a German influencer. Uh, she was in there. Uh, Nineball wasn't. Uh, but later would go in just in a dress looking like Rihanna. Um, is that it? Is that everyone? No, that's not everyone. You're missing... I'm missing a person. Who am I missing? Who did I forget? Hacker? Doesn't matter. Anyways. Yeah, we don't have time. Uh, it doesn't super matter. Um, oh, Rose. Rose is with yeah, Daphne. Yeah, Rose is with Daphne. So the ploy here is they have to get Daphne to go to the bathroom where, where the they blind will, spot is where the blind spot in the cameras is where they will somehow separate Daphne from the guards of the necklace steal the necklace initiate a legit lockdown of the place cut the necklace into pieces scatter them amongst the players right and then they will get the pieces out, find a fake one, and uh, plant like plant it to be the real one. The lockdown will go away. They will escape. They will then post Met Gala, check the fake necklace, find out it's a fake, and a hunt will be initiated for the real one. That's the plan, right? So, it all goes down where they poison some soup that Anne Hathaway scarfs fast. Because she hasn't eaten in three she days because actors. Actors. Uh, she eats it, becomes sick, plays it off like a sick person does, uh, rushes to the bathroom, gets into the bathroom, starts vomiting profusely. They have pre-locked four of the five fucking stalls uh, in a moment where Aquafina crawls underneath all of the stalls and locks them. Uh, and there were already people in the bathroom, so I called bullshit on that, first of all. Doesn't matter. Uh, she's throwing up. Aquafina is there to hold her hair, 
because in the chaos of the moment, you don't give a fuck who's behind you holding your hair when you throw up. You just throw up. So she lifts the necklace, gets it in the pocket, gets it to a busboy. The busboy doesn't know he has it and has to get it into the kitchen where it will be taken by Amita. America has a note about the busboy. Go. Uh, how did nobody see the necklace? It's very shiny. Uh, and it's very visible on the tray of bowls. Unclear. Like the busboy, the other busboy, the guards they walked by, the kitchen staff, all the way... Don't know. ...to Amita to lift from there. Can't figure it out. That's my only really Doesn't note about that is how... Does nobody see that? And my next note is about Amita with the setup. So Okay, so they get the necklace through all the way. A couple of speed bumps along the ways, but nothing that's difficult in any way. It's all resolved very easily. Um, the necklace gets to Amita, who plunges the dishes into the sink, along with a $150 million necklace, into, into the sink. dirty dish sink. Dirty dishwater. Wild. <gasps> Wild. Now, I know they're going to cut it, clean it, and deal with it later, but... Wild. Anyways, so, she pulls it out, pockets it, says she's going to the restroom, disappears into the restroom, where the bullshit happens. This is probably the most unbelievable portion of the movie for me. Is that, and like James said, in the other Oceans movies, we saw everything get set up. We were aware of where everything was and how it got there. But, I mean... And, and a note, briefly. If we aren't aware of something or how it happened, we are told before the movie ends. Um, somehow, at some point, we know, have no idea. In this bathroom, in this kitchen, hidden not well, Amita has a whole fucking... A jewelry chop shop. Jewelry chop shop set up with like tools, headgear, chemical cleaning chemicals, lights, like the whole fucking nine yards that she would need to chop this necklace professionally to not damage any of the jewels in it. And get it out. It's wild. And there's no explanation. Not thousands, thousands of dollars of equipment and tools have been snuck into this bathroom. No one's gone in there and looked inside a cabinet or in the changing station, outrageous, insane. At least show me how you did it before you're going to shove the bullshit in my face like that. Crazy. Um, my next note is about Anne Hathaway coming out of the bathroom. So Go. Uh, so then we cut over like immediately after this, and Anne Hathaway's done throwing up. She comes, uh, Daphne is done throwing up. She comes out of the bathroom. She's like, wow, I feel better. And the no ne- necklace. necklace is just gone. We find out later why she plays it off like she didn't realize, but, like, right now in my head, I'm like, how do you just realize that a six-pound necklace is gone off your fucking neck? It's six pounds. Like, how do you just not realize that you're just walking out? I mean, when you're throwing up, a lot of shit happens. Like, maybe you just were like, oh, I'm so relieved I'm feeling better. But it was just, like, insane to me that no one figured this out. Um, my next note is about when they find the necklace, so carry on. Okay, so, they, the necklace guards are like panicky, they run into the bathroom, they can't find it, they demand a lockdown to search for the necklace. Uh, The security guards and the other staff are like, fine, and they usher literally every single person out, uh, except for the event coordinators, and also except for everyone who needs to be there for plot convenience. Um, So they get everyone out, and they're looking for it, and we're trying to stall to get Amita the time to break the jewelry apart, get it to Aquafina, who will then scatter it to the rest of the team. Uh, and so we have to stall finding the fake necklace until we know that we can do that. And eventually it's just like up against the wall. We don't have time. Find it. Or Amita's like discovered and we're fucked. They find it. Find it. They plant it in the water. Pull it out. Go. Uh, the necklace that they pull out of the water is a perfect replica, but there's one little hitch in this plan here, is that the necklace it's that clasped. fell off is clasped when they pulled it out of the water. And now I can imagine in the moment you're like so relieved that you found the fucking thing that you don't notice that, but I feel like later on when uh, Mr. James Corden breaks in, spoiler alert, um, 
I feel like that'd be a key thing that I would look into is that it was still clasped when it came off and was discovered or when it was discovered. So, um, no one's going to just notice or talk about that. That I also have that as a note is like, you cannot have found it clasped because it's, that's an impossibility. And anyone associated with that necklace should know that that's an impossibility. It's not, it's not feasible. You have to unclasp it to put it on her neck because it won't fit over the crown of her head. Um, so, anyways. Yeah, they, uh, they, then, my next note is about everybody being changed into nice clothes, so continue. Basically, the heist goes off. They pass out the rest of the jewelry to people, uh, who are decked out in their gowns and shit, and they leave the Met Gala. Go. My only note is Rihanna is really hot. And especially in that that's dress. true. Um, that's a that's just a fact. And I did make a note that that was way too smooth for the heist. Like, it, yeah, nothing went wrong at all. It was just smooth, and it was short, and it was over. So, or so we thought. <gasps> bum bum bum. Anyways, so James Corden starts being in the movie. Why is James Corden in everything? Literally, he is in everything now. Now, I will say this: the greatest role in this movie went to James Corden. What about Rose? Okay. That's not the best role. The best role in the movie is the guy who has to investigate the necklace being stolen. Because he gets all the best dialogue. Now, I don't know if James Corden improvised any of it, because he is a pretty decent improviser. But I don't like listening to his voice. Uh, probably just because I've seen... I like seen, James Corden. I've seen too much of him. He's been in too much... He's just been... He's funny and I like props him. Props to him. He's made a phenomenal career for himself. God damn it, I don't like listening to him. He's funny and I like him. He is funny. And I don't mind him terribly, but I didn't want him here right now. Anyways. I do like his character, though, because we get this whole... Are you going to talk about the reveal later? Because that's my next note. Does he's kind of like paid off kind of well he's like a family like because they they tell this they basically eventually tell everyone like um because we find out that there is an eighth member to this team cough cough oceans eight it's daphne surprise it's daphne who they never again it's another thing that we never see happen but they apparently wrapped her into it because she caught on and they could tell she was catching on so they basically uh wrapped her into it and she became part of the team which is good because they needed her but um we get this explanation of like uh Daphne says I have a question about how you're gonna make all this happen I wrote Daphne has one question I have many um but the main (laughs) explanation they give is that James Corden's character, the inspe- like the investigator for the insurance claim, is a family friend because he's taken down Debbie's dad. Which is also Danny's dad. Twice. Or no, four times, and her brother twice. So he's family. Like, they know of each other, obviously. Um, and we also get the... Yeah, so we get that whole setup of them. Didn't do what else do you have to say? I I mean I We're getting to the end here where we get to I don't understand why they waited. So basically the the ploy was they were gonna fence the diamonds through a bunch of older Broadway ladies from all over the place that were like actors. old actors who could sell the story that they inherited heirlooms that were extraordinarily valuable. Uh, and it adds to it adds fuel to the fire that they were gonna fuck over Claude. Um, so eventually, the final stage of the heist is getting uh, Daphne to hook up with Claude and plant a piece of the necklace in his apartment. It was already in his apartment. She just had. Oh, to that's right. Because make they it plant, discoverable. Yes, because Debbie, Debbie planted it. it on him at the Met Gala. Right, so they just had to go get evidence. Basically, they confirmed that seeing it in his apartment would give them probable cause to go arrest him because he was already a suspect. And therefore, all they needed to give the investigator was probable cause 
and they could just disappear into the ether, right? With their millions. So they have her fuck him. She handcuffs him to a bed, finds it, gets the evidence, sends it off. Uh, the They sick the police on him. We cut back to uh, the hideout where it is then revealed that something entirely different also happened at the same time as the heist. And in breaking tradition with Ocean's movies, instead of alluding to this potentially happening at any point in time, we keep it a total secret and then fist fuck you with it at the end. They make a note, like, all the girls are like, well, if you got rid of all those diamonds, like, how are we going to get our money out of this, like, small amount that we have left? Like, how are we going to get our cut that you promised us? Because, like, they gave, like, a bunch of the diamonds to the old ladies to frame... Because the old ladies basically deposited all their money that they got from that into, like, uh... An LLC that Becker owned. Yeah, so, I mean, they didn't, but it was done for them. Um, and then it's revealed by Lou and Debbie. Debbie that the necklace that Daphne wore was not the original intended thing. It was just part a, of the a target. part of the target. And the rest of the target was the rest of the jewels were, that were on the display at the Met Gala. So instead of stealing one necklace they for stole 150 million, six. Remember when th- I told they you they stole more than six. Well, there they were earrings and the crown in there too, but remember yeah. when I mentioned that number 6 earlier that Debbie talked to Amita about that's where it comes into play. That's where they set it up. That was your one little tiny minuscule tip off is when Debbie asks Amita, how long would it take you to do six? Admittedly, it's like a red herring, though, because what if you were trying to three because they also did three card money with Aquafina's character earlier in the movie. So what if you're trying to make six of those necklaces that's, to try and scatter? That's what I thought they that, were going to do. And that means it's a successful red herring. Um, they successfully threw us off the track that that could even be a possibility. But they stole the rest of the jewelry between Lou and, surprise, surprise, it's another Oceans guy, Yen. You remember the Grease Man from the first three movies? The, as Danny Ocean called him, the little Chinese guy. Uh an incredible stuntman, uh, great actor, funny guy, uh, comes in and does yen shit and does acrobatics a little bit and steals all the fucking necklaces through, during the lockdown. And Using a toy a- submarine that Lou bought way earlier and we never got an explanation for. That was the only other yeah. tip-off. And bada-bing, bada-boom, they've turned the cut of $16 million into $30 million a piece. And that's, like, the whole movie. Yeah, that's it. And that was my last note, was that's it, question mark, question mark, question mark? Like, I don't know. I will say, like, it just felt so fast that it didn't... It was a little, like, bit of a letdown when it got to the end of the movie because I just was like, oh, that was really great and really fun, but I don't feel like there was enough of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Which I do agree with James. I just don't feel like there was enough of us... Especially with that cast and how good the chemistry was, I don't feel like there was enough of the movie. Like, there wasn't enough scenes with everybody together, like, setting all this up, or... And the heist was so fast. I don't know. I just felt like there wasn't enough. There is a lot of wasted time in this movie doing not setup for things that could have been used to do setup for things and still add value to the movie. If you go back and you watch Ocean's 11, 12, and 13, there is not a single scene that is wasted in any of those movies. Every scene has something plot-related in it. And now, admittedly, the plot of the 12th and, of 12 and 13 are convoluted, but it's the fucking... It's just so expertly done in that every scene has something plot relevant in it something driving the movie and not every scene in this movie had something plot relevant or driving in it and you could have taken that small handful of scenes changed them to be plot driving and that would have been enough 
to set up the things so that it doesn't feel like a half-assed heist movie. But it comes off as a half-assed heist movie with incredible talent in it and a waste. It feels like a waste. Which is depressing because there's some really, really, really talented people in it. And there's some really good moments. Which we tragic. talked about already. A tragic waste. Um, but that's it. That's yeah. the end. What would you rank it? 6.3 out of 10. I'd say about a 6 out of 10 for me, too. Like I said, it was a good movie. Lots of good would points. I, not enough. Would I watch it again? Probably only that scene with Mindy and I'd watch, and I'd watch highlights, and I'd watch a blooper reel. And I would chuckle my way through that blooper reel happily. Um... But that's it for Oceans 8. We did get our poll in from our audience today. The next movie we will be watching is The Sorcerer's Apprentice. So tune in next time for that. Two weeks, baby. Bye.